thank you for that music this morning. We uh, much to be thankful for. We've learned a new hymn, and uh, that's that's been fun. And I think there was another one in there I wasn't real familiar with, but I'm learning these new ones. It's great. Um, so what are we thankful for? We have much to be thankful for. We're going to talk about this again tonight a little bit, but um, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I know most of you know him personally, know, uh, <laughs> um, is a, he was a German theologian, um, and uh, he once said, um, it's dangerous error to think that the heart can pray by itself, for then we, can, we, then we confess wishes, hopes, sighs, laments, rejoicing all of which the heart can do by itself with prayer. And we confuse earth and he heaven, man and God. Prayer does not mean simply to pour out one's heart. It means rather to find a way to God and speak with him, whether the heart is full or empty. I like that statement. It's talking, he's talking about the Psalms and that we, the Psalms, many of which are prayers and of course hymns, and he's saying that you know, if we just simply pour out our heart, that's not quite enough. We have to also be praying and studying and trying to find more because our heart becomes what? Full and empty. There's times when we pray when we have nothing in there. I mean, there's nothing to pray with. There's times when we pray that, that we're filled with joy and thankfulness and all those things that go with it. Which leads us to our scripture passage this morning, which is in, in Psalm 107. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. If you would stand with me as we read God's word. Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from the east and the west, from north and south. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. We need to think about the goodness of God. God is really good. You know, our saying is God is good all the time and all the time God is good, right? We, many of you have heard that said. I think there's some evangelists that would say that every time before they started. Um, I think Junior Hill was one of those that kind of would say that every time he started his, his sermons. But, but that's the case. He, it, it plays out several ways in the Psalms. The first way is he, he delivers us from distress, you ever been distressed? Nowadays, distress is kind of a cool thing, right? They distress the wood for the, if you watch those home shows like I do sometimes, not too much. And they, um, you know, they, they, they distress the wood. They don't want it to look exactly brand new anymore. But God's the only one that can take care of things. Without his leadership, we continue to be distressed. Full disclosure, the first two churches I served, I got fired from. Yeah, you know, what a great way to start off your full-time ministry, right? My first church, the pastor re retired on me, that, hired, that brought me in, and then he brought in another guy that um, was different. And so he wanted something different from me. And so um, 
I was a young guy out of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and I was very much into the worship and the liturgy and the high worship church, like obviously is not in these days. But in those days it was, and you had the choir and was all that, and he wanted somebody to be more of a, as they say, joy boy, and do that kind of thing. And so I was fired. Well, I hung in and found a church. Matter of fact, the church immediately opened up, and I went and moved. And, and the next church, I was there a couple years. And they never did, I never did fit into that cow town. It was a small town, Wachula, Florida. And they, I just never fit in. I mean, I got to go hog hunting there. I even went coon hunting on muleback while I was there. Now this boy that was not a hunter, this boy that was in, from Orlando, Florida, is where I went to high school, you know, I was not, I did not fit in well there. So the pastor there, Dr. Newburn, he was very much made sure you knew that was his, I never prayed in public for two years there, other than with the youth group. Just never saw me as he thought it was time for me to look. Now, folks, I was distressed when the second church. The first church, I kind of made it okay. But the second church, I had a young baby. I had a family. I was going, what am I going to do? So I'll tell you what I was going to do. I was going to get out of the ministry. I was done. I said, obviously, I'm not called to do this. If you get fired once, you can handle it. Twice, maybe I've got the wrong calling. I know none of you probably ever felt that way, that you would kind of feel what they call snake bit. You feel like, obviously, I'm not worth this. I need to be doing something else. So I started searching for anything else I could do, just kind of find a job. God had other plans. And God took me. I did not miss one Sunday that I didn't want to. He found places for me to fill in. And about two Sundays into my fireedness, I'm sure that's a word. My wife would right now be going, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about two months into, about two weeks into it, this little old tiny church in Bradenton, Florida, said, "We need an interim minister of music and youth." So I said, "I can interim minister of music. I need something. I got to have a job. I got to make some money." And they hired me as interim and kept me on and hired me full-time. That little church, I'd gone from a church of 400 in Sunday school to a church of 100 in worship. And I thought, what am I doing? How are they going to afford me? How are they going to? They paid me, same as I was making the church with 400. Pastor, one of the finest pastors I've ever been under was a terrible preacher. I mean, it really was. He wa it wasn't that his wasn't theologically sound. It wasn't all that. He just was whew, over everybody's head. You know, I'd been to seminary. It was over mine. I was kind of catching it, trying to catch stuff, you know. But that man taught me what it was like to be a minister. He taught me what ministry was really about. I owe my ministry to that little church. I was only there a year and a half. But that year and a half taught me more about what it's like to be a minister and to be myself in the pulpit. Now, folks, you all don't think about that much, probably. 
but as a, I was 23 when I graduated from seminary, and I knew that I was from the seminary, and I needed to be stoic and be serious and be exactly that way in the pulpit all the time. Well, anybody that knows me any length of time knows I am not stoic or serious. <laughs> so I wasn't having any fun, and neither were the churches. But he taught me that I could be myself in the pulpit and be myself in ministry. And he helped me turn my ministry around. And that is the Lord helping you when you're distressed. Because folks, I was distressed. I wanted to find a way out. I wanted to do anything but that. He satisfies the thirsty and feeds the hungry. You ever been thirsty? I'm kind of hungry right now. <laughs> but I don't think he's exactly talking about that either. We are thirsty and hungry for the Word and for the Lord's presence and for some kind of help and relief. He brought them out of darkness and gloom. <laughs> you ever feel like you got this little cloud hanging over you? You're walking around in the darkness all the time. I was like, oh. Sometimes winter feels that way. You know, after a while, after the length of it, it just kind of feels like kind of gloomy and all. Even though I love the winter, I like the cold weather and all that, it can end up being kind of a time where you, and you feel that, it's just, that, it's just a dark cloud, I don't know how else to put it. And I think we get caught up in that in a lot of situations in our lives, but God can help us through those. He heals the sick and delivers his people from destruction. We get caught up in being sick and being destroyed, and we feel like people are out to destroy us <clears throat> all the time, right? At that church, I felt like I was being out to, to be destroyed. I thought that preacher was trying to destroy me. And while him and I didn't see eye to eye, he saw that I wouldn't have any fun and the church wouldn't have any fun. It was time for somebody to have some fun, you know? Stilled the storm and calmed the fear of the sailors. You don't think of sailors having fear, do you? you? Especially in the storms, you think they're used to it. But my Navy guys will tell you, there's times when it's a scary time out on, their, on those waters. And when the storms come, they can really be overwhelming. And we all are called, caught up in that. So we are called to be thankful in God's goodness because he is there with us. He is good. You know, a solo voice is nice to hear. I love to hear a nice, good soloist. That's great. But there's nothing like a choir. You hear a big, full choir. I mean, let's face it. While we may not agree with all their theology and all that, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir is one glorious thing to listen to. I mean, they know how to sing. Those of you that have heard the Jubal Chorus of the Sons of Jubal and some of those they've got a glorious sound. When all those voices come together, what a sweet sound that is. And it makes a great time of praise and worship. And guess what? When the congregation sings in any church of any size, it is a glorious sound of worship. And that's what our God longs to hear. Us as a group called giving thanks praise and thanksgiving to the Lord and the mighty God that we serve. Then he calls us to focus on the main issues of life. 
those that have lost their way. We all know people in that situation. Many of you have gone through it. Many of you may even be in it right now. You kind of lost your way. I, I told the committee when they were talking to me about becoming interim that I was kind of felt lost. I was just kind of jumping around, looking at churches and doing those things. But because I was missing the pulpit and missing the opportunities to worship, to lead in worship and to lead in, in lead a congregation, I felt kind of lost. And you all helped, and the Lord helped me put that together a little bit more and understand a little bit more about what retirement is <laughs> or isn't. You know, I thought retirement was going to be prop my feet up and take it easy. And no, there's going to be more to it than that. Because see, God isn't finished with you when you move from one thing to the other. And we all are constantly moving from one thing to the other all the time. I don't care what your age is, from 10 to 100, you are always constantly moving from one direction to another. Most of us, can't wait to get to the next thing. We're never happy in the place we're in. We want to be to the next point. Let's face it. When you were a kid, well, if I can just get out of kindergarten, then things would be good. If I, I can just get out of elementary school and get to be the middle school. Those are guys are cool. <laughs> middle school is like the worst. You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love middle schoolers, but it's the worst. It really is. I mean, I think probably the hardest grades in school are middle school. I, I really do. So if you're in middle school, there might be some in middle school in here. If you're in middle school, this too will pass. I just promise. You know, it's just the way it is. Then you get to high school, and you try to be what everybody else is. You know, that's kind of what the thing is. You want to do that. Of course, you think of driver's license. If I could just get my driver's license. Or if I could just go out with that person. Or if I could just get, you know, we're moving on. Then college, then see, if I could just get married, if I could just have a family, if I could just do this, if I could just retire, if I could just die. I don't know, what's the next thing? You know, I mean, you think about it, that's kind of what we do. We wait till the next step, don't we? We really do. We, we're pushing on. Well, what is the next step after a certain point? You know, let's face it. But, but what I'm trying to get to is we never seem to be happy where we are. We kind of feel lost where we are, and we think, well, if I can get to this next point, then I'll be okay. Well, guess what? You're okay now. The Lord is with you now, and he will take you to the next step when it's time to go to the next step. Don't rush it. Man, I tell you what, I, I've told many of you, my goal in college and seminary was to get out. That was it. I mean, I raced through it. I look back and go, what was I thinking? Why did I race through college? It was great year. Those are fun years. That's a lot of, a lot of learning and a lot of excitement and a lot of things there. And I, my goal was to get out of there. Killed myself trying. Guess what? I should have enjoyed what God was, had put me in and let me enjoy those times. Many people sit around, the, the people of Israel literally roamed the desert and circled around and around forever. They were hungry, they were thirsty, but yet God finally gave them a city to dwell in. Captives suffer in prison. Now, they're covered in darkness and bars and walls and all this, and you go, well, I've never been in prison. No? 
Have you ever felt trapped, pinned in, nowhere to go? What am I headed for? What's going to go my way? No place to go. Scared? Lonely? Don't have any idea what my next move might be? My guess is we've all felt that way at some point or another. Where we're not sure where the next move is. Jesus frees us from whatever bondage we may have put ourselves in or happen to be in. See, bondage isn't always literal handcuffs. But many of you have felt handcuffed in situations you're in. Sick and feel like you're dying. We've all been sick enough that we felt like, oh, I'm going to die this time. I don't know. It may have been COVID. Could be a flu, could be seasickness. Anybody's ever been seasick? That's a sick, sick. Um, cancer. All kinds of things. We feel like we're so sick we don't see any way of out of this. And, it, and frankly, sometimes you felt so sick, Lord, just take me. This has got to feel better than this. We get what? We get so sick that we feel that. And many of us need that. And we need what? Healing. God is there to bring healing what about our sick soul folks we get out of fellowship with the Lord on many occasions sin usually brings us to that point and when it does it's it's interesting that the healer of our sin sick soul is Christ but we don't want to go to Christ because we feel ashamed because our soul is sin sick Maybe I'm the only one that's ever done that. I've done that. Where I, want, I think if I just hide, then, then God won't know I've been messing up. Right, you know, right. You know, who knows before I even mess up that I'm, you know, I mean, God knows. But guess what? We, when I do that, then I pull myself away. When what I really need to be doing is pulling myself towards him more to help me through this sin-sick soul time. And we will all go through that. It's a misery that just haunts us every day. We feel like we'll never be at peace again. You ever felt that way? You feel like, where is the peace? Is there ever going to be any peace again? I'm just doing this, 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 and this. It brings us, sinful ways bring us deadly ills. <laughs> when we have strayed from God, we need to bring ourselves back to Him. We fear, we have fear in the storms of life. We all have storms in our life. I, please understand that. Young people, bad news. There's going to be storms in your life. You may not think it will. You think, well, I'm a Christian. I'm there for, when I first accepted Christ, I just knew I was never going to sin again. I thought that's how it went. No, it, about the day I accepted Christ and it, I sinned right that day, I went, wait a minute, what am I doing? I'm, I'm a Christian now. I'm not going to do this anymore. And then I do it again. I sassed my mama. Ooh, you know, did something like that. But you see, we all have seasons when it seems like we're nothing but turmoil, right? It seems like, yeah, right, we, we won't, if we just get through 2020, then we won't have to worry about anything. <sighs> then 2021 came and it made it worse, you know. When we thought, you know, we think, we think well, it's going to get better. No, it's not. Uh, the old saying, you know, says, what's the matter? He says, cheer up, things could get worse. Sure enough, I cheered up and things got worse, you know, and that's exactly right. Sometimes we have fear in raising children. 
young people, if you're in here, your parents do a lot of stuff out of fear. They really do. I, I hate to be tattling on your parents. But a lot of what they do is out of fear. They're, they're afraid of something's going to happen to you, or some, are you going to be some kind of jerk when you grow up, or they, they're, afraid, you know, they're afraid of certain things. We have fear loss of income. And the young people have fears. They have fears that they're never going to have any kind of freedom ever again. They're, they're, they're afraid that, 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 that mom and dad are going to be just constantly mad all the time. They're afraid they might lose mom or dad. They're afraid of all kinds of things like that. We have fears of loss of income. We have fear of the unknown. We have fear of the known. Right? All right, come on. There's some things that we're just afraid of. Fear is everywhere. And we because we live in fearful times, don't we? And if you and unfortunately, 24-hour days, 7 days a week news cycles don't help our fear any. Matter of fact, they contribute to our fear. Yet God tells us to trust him in our times of the storms. Sometimes we have to be so afraid that we have nowhere else to turn but to God. You ever been there? Everything else you've exhausted, it's time I've got to turn to God. One of the bad things about losing a parent is the loss of a safety net. I don't know if y'all ever thought of it that way. It was one of my things. You know, I've lost both my parents. Janet's lost both of her parents. And and there was always, they had, we had that safety net that if something really bad happens, I could go to my folks. My folks will bail me out. My folks will help me out. They'll be there for me. They're, that safety net. And, that, and there's a lot of people that kind of go, don't understand that, but that is a true statement. And then all of a sudden, what happens? When those happen, all of a sudden, now I'm the safety net. And that, so I had the fear, can I handle being the safety net? Am I as up to it as my parents were? Am I as good as, can I do that? These are some of the fears that come our way. But guess what? We have a safety net. His name is Jesus Christ. And he is our safety net that will handle those things. When all things else go, we have to throw our hands up and say, I don't know where else to go, what to do. We need to understand the difference between, <laughs> and with that, we need to understand the difference between necessities and luxuries. We in America have a hard time with that line. Y'all figured that out yet? I look back when I was growing up in the old days. I mean, we're talking the dark ages. When, when you know, nobody had two cars. They only had one. Well, goodness gracious, how is it possible that a person turns 16 and doesn't have a car? How is it possible that there's not any number of cars in the driveway to drive? They're necessity. Are they? We have that cell phone thing that we have all the information of the world in one little thing. It's right there. What about this? Oh, no, Google it. Google it has finally become an actual real term. When I grew up, there ain't no such thing as Google or one of these. My parents... Let me go. My parents let me go off to college 12 hours drive away with no cell phone. 
because there weren't no such thing as a cell phone. I had a, I had a quarter in my pocket to go to the pay phone if I could get to it. In a, in a car that was old and had 100,000 miles on it, and, uh, you know, driving by myself, they, and they didn't even go with me. I, you know, I went, my child moved away to college an hour and a half away from me, and I drove them. I went 12 hours, I drove, my parents waved goodbye in the yard as I drove off. 18 years old. What were they thinking? I survived. <laughs> Exactly, except I had a little sister still at home. <laughs> but that's exactly right. You know, those kind of things, I, those, I, I, we don't know what luxuries and necessities are anymore. They've all just blurred. When, when did it become necessary to eat three times a day? I think it is necessary, you know? But, you know, there was a time... Doing that was not the case. The breakfast and dinner, you know? Or <laughs> there's a lot of people that live on one a day or even none. Yet we think they're necessities. Remember the source of our help in our life itself. We need to be grateful for the basic joys of life. We need to take time to be grateful, not just on Thanksgiving. Because, folks, we have much to be grateful for. We are such a blessed people. God doesn't just provide a thanksgiving. He shows up and to us all kinds of things all year long, all the time. He provides so much, and we don't even think about some of the things he provides. <laughs> the air we breathe, the water we drink. All those things that he just provides, we don't even think about it. And we know everything's relative. <laughs> there's always somebody poorer than you. You may think you're poorer, but there's always somebody else poorer. You may think you're wealthy. There's always somebody wealthier than you are. Everything's, well, everything's relative. There's always somebody smarter than you. There's always somebody dumber than you. All right? There's a lot of days I'm not sure if that's the case, that anybody can be dumber, than, but, but it is the case. There's some people who have common sense, and there's some people that don't. You, you've watched it. You've seen it. There's always someone that's better or worse at whatever you're doing. I don't care what it is. There's always somebody better and somebody worse. So comparing is not the deal, folks. We are good at comparing. I am. I like to compare all the time. We don't need to compare. Our, we just need to be thankful for what God's provided for us and the skills and usefulness that he's provided for you. We need to be open to God's goodness. We need to focus on what really matters. You hear that? What really matters. Remember where your help comes from. Willing to take time to be thankful. So what are you thankful for? Life eternal? A God that loves us? Families. We have personal things that we're thankful for. There are spiritual things I hope you're thankful for. 
the spirit of the living God dwells amongst us. We should be thankful for a church. We have a wonderful church. We really do. You can count on these folks. I can tell you. If I had a need, I know there's two, probably everybody in here I could call and say, will you help me with this? Absolutely. They wouldn't even bat an eye. They wouldn't, there would be no question. They would jump by chance. You see, that's part of the God that's personal. We have a personal relationship with Christ. It's personal. And when it's personal, there is much to be thankful for. That's the God we serve. It's not a chore. It's not, oh, if you don't do this, it's going to squish you. That's not how it works. He is there, willing, able, wanting to be involved with every aspect of your life. All of it. He loves you that much. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. His love endures forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence and your love and the eternal way you watch out for us. You are our safety net. You are who we fall on when times get tough. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for all you are and all you do. Show us your way, Lord. Forgive us when we fail you. And help us to keep the relationship close. We desire to hear and to sense your presence in everything we do. Thank you. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.